0: Hundreds of executives reveal how they see the future of U.S. manufacturing. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, managing editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The accounting and consulting firm Grant Thornton has issued a new report that surveyed more than 375 U.S. manufacturing executives. The goal was to learn which forces are shaping their industries and what companies must do in order to adapt and survive. To find out what it's all about, I'm speaking today with Jeff French, Grant Thornton's national managing partner for consumer and industry products. He'll lay out the four critical priorities for manufacturers today, as well as their number one concern in a time of radical change and innovative technologies. We'll also find out whether manufacturers are really reshoring operations back to the U.S., and what impact that move might have on American labor. So here is my conversation with Jeff French. Well, Jeff French, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks, Bob. It's uh, I'm glad to be here today.
0: So Grant Thornton has a new survey based on, I believe, looking at more than 375 U.S. manufacturing executives. What's the history of this? Do you do this on a regular basis or it's a brand new initiative on your part?
1: This is a brand new initiative on our part, so we're really trying to look at the future of manufacturing and kind of unique things that are happening and give people a perspective on what we're seeing in a four-, five-, or six-year time horizon into the future.
0: What kinds of questions did you ask them?
1: Well, we asked, obviously, we started out with the typical question about are they optimistic um, with where things are at, and most of them are. But then we also ask them uh, what are some difficulties that they're having? What are some uncertainties that they're experiencing and that they're trying to adapt to? And then from there, we ask them things like, well, Within those areas of concern or uncertainty, what are some of the things that they're doing to try to better respond to that uncertainty and prepare for what they see coming in the future?
0: What was the number one concern that they were telling you?
1: Well, the number one concern, I think, as most people can imagine, is that it's a time of change. Change seems to be coming at all companies more rapidly than it used to, and as a result, they've got to be more responsive to that change. That's really what they're doing, but I think that companies are trying to feel their way in that regard and find out how they can adapt to changes that are going on.
0: It seems like we're always saying we are in this period of unprecedented change. Right. (laughs) But, uh, uh, But I guess, you know, which doesn't take away from the fact that we are in a period of unprecedented change. And these manufacturers are, in fact, telling you this. I think it maybe breaks down. Tell me if this is correct into maybe two main areas. One is political uncertainty and one is technological disruption. Would that be an accurate characterization?
1: I think that that's exactly right.
0: Well, let's take those one at a time, shall we? Uh, What are some of the political uncertainties that they're telling you about? Are they that specific?
1: They are. What we're hearing is obviously with the political environment here in the U.S., I think people are optimistic. They want to see, for example, lower tax rates, right? And I think companies believe that they need that in order to compete globally, but they're also concerned about other things that they've heard proposed. So if you take a border adjustment tax, how could that impact companies that import and their supply chain is bringing stuff here to the U.S.? They're very concerned about that. They are very comfortable with regulation and and where that seems to be going and reducing regulation. But then on the other side of that, trade wars, they they don't want to see anything that would inhibit their ability to access other markets. And so it's kind of a two-sided thing where companies are hearing a lot of good, positive things, but there's also some things that are making them a little nervous.
0: Did they cite the failure of the Trans-Pacific Partnership and the the dire outlook for additional multilateral trade agreements as an area of concern?
1: We didn't go that specifically, but I think that you can definitely generalize when they're talking about trade issues. Those are good examples of areas of concern. Obviously, manufacturers really have supported those trade agreements and we're really promoting it. So I think that that's set them back a little bit in terms of where that's ultimately going to end up.
0: I would imagine that one of the things that would bother them the most would just be the uncertainty of our trade policy at this point. The administration not really clarifying how it intends to proceed, kind of throwing ideas out and threats and and incentives all over the place. But nobody knows how that's going to fall out. So that's something that bothers them or concerns them, right?
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. You take, for example, the border adjustment tax. I mean – If you're going to not allow companies to deduct imported cost of goods, I mean, that could have a huge impact on their supply chain and where they're going to source product from. Their hands are a little bit tied, right? They hear these things thrown out there, but they don't know what the probability is of something like that passing. And anytime we have unstable information with which to make investment decisions, that's really not a good environment for business.
0: Not to mention the possibility of undermining or indeed eliminating existing trade agreements like NAFTA. We really don't right. know what's going to happen there, so they're all, I imagine, worried about that as well.
1: Yes, correct.
0: Oh, well, that's the political landscape, but then it also seems as though the actual nature of manufacturing itself these days has changed quite a bit over the last decade or so. That is the point where we have this distributive manufacturing where a single item might be, indeed, manufactured in multiple locations. How are manufacturers adjusting to that, and how does that change the whole landscape of what it is to be a manufacturer today based on this survey that you've done?
1: Yeah, well, we found out from the respondents that new technologies were definitely something that they're worried about and that they're trying to adapt to, that they're experimenting with. Changing customer demands, are really making business more complex. So like you said, manufacturing one product over several locations or manufacturing a similar but a little bit different product in a number of markets adds a lot of complexity to manufacturing. And so what we found, it was interesting of the respondents who had experienced earnings growth of at least 20% in the past year, had invested pretty significantly in new technologies. So the Internet of Things, robotics, additive manufacturing, AI, and and supply chain automation. So those companies that are growing significantly, it appears, are the ones who are investing in these new technologies.
0: So when we use the phrase technological disruption, that's not necessarily a negative thing. It seems like it's actually something that a lot of these companies are moving forward with on purpose.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, I think manufacturing, at least my experience over the last 30 years is companies have really adopted a lot of technology. And so I think we're just seeing the continuing trend of that. Maybe the pace is increasing a little bit more. Maybe some of the technology that's being adopted is new, but manufacturers have been really good. They've they've had to, for cost reasons and, and for customization reasons, they've had to move to new technology, and, and you're seeing that trend pick up.
0: Did they talk to you at all, or did you get a sense about employment trends in manufacturing? Hand-in-hand hand with the trend toward automation, obviously that would mean fewer bodies in the plant. Is that what they're telling you is going on?
1: They are, but there are a number of respondents to the survey, including some that we talked with directly, said, look, we especially when you're making customized products, a lot of times you need that person and the skills and the, the viewpoint of human labor to develop and refine those products. So what they're really looking at is automation working side by side with people in the plant. And so, yes, we expect that the number of people doing things may change, but hopefully that's going to be offset by just different types of things happening. So a lot of manufacturers, according to their survey, are moving into services So they may need people to help with those services. So maybe they don't need as many people on the shop floor if they've put in robotics, but maybe they're going to need people to help with the services they're providing to companies.
0: What do you mean by that? What kinds of services are they contemplating providing?
1: The first one that we all think about and that we see a lot, for example, is just routine maintenance or working with companies to make sure that they're getting the optimization from a particular piece of equipment in monitoring it and reading the sensors and then going in and, and making adjustments, suggesting adjustments or making repairs. So those types of things are the ones we think about a lot. But I think that there could be a host of other things that companies do as well, and that may help if they're selling B2B. It may help the end user with their actual customer
0: interaction. Here in the U.S., we're hearing about possibly a talent gap in the area of high-skilled jobs relating to manufacturing, engineers, designers, and the like. Do your surveyed manufacturers tell you that as well, that they're actually having trouble finding people for some of these positions?
1: right yeah one of the four areas that they're really looking at and concerned about with regard to just reacting is talent obviously they the skills that they need in the facilities is changing and their ability to find people with the trade skills that they need is a challenge and companies are having to partner in a number of ways for example with local technical colleges To really recruit. They're doing internships, co-ops, apprenticeships, anything to kind of find those people. Interestingly, IT is another area where people are concerned. It's very hard as you bring more technology into the plant. It takes a lot of IT skills and they're having trouble in that area too. And we do not expect that to change in the next 10 years.
0: You say four areas. Could you sum those up for me with talent being one of them? What are the other three?
1: Yeah, so the critical priorities that they had were building a digital supply chain was one, anticipating shifting customer needs, uh, building transparency, and then finding talent for the smart manufacturing age. Those were the four critical priorities for manufacturers.
0: Sometimes that phrase digital supply chain can be a little hazy is exactly what it means. I mean, does it mean adopting the Internet? Does it mean automation? Does it mean technology in general? I mean, what are we talking about when we say building the digital supply chain for manufacturing?
1: That's a good point. We got responses that were across the board, so I I think that that definition varies from company to company and, and from response to response. But some of the things that we heard, so just to give you an idea, would be things like using technology to get a better view of what customer demand is, or using technology or sharing information with suppliers to understand what their capacity is. So those are ways in which digital technology can be used to share information. But like you said, it included people mentioned things like advanced robotics, 3D and AI and things where they might have been speaking more towards the production side.
0: 44% cited supply chain complexity and inefficiencies as their top supply chain issue, uh, inhibiting growth ambitions, I understand it. What are they talking about when they mean inefficiencies? Where are the gaps? Where are the problems there?
1: When you get a complex supply chain, especially if it's global, and you get inefficiencies are, for example, when your demand changes and you need a product, how do you get it quickly if it's being produced in Asia, for example? And and it just creates inefficiencies. You might have to, instead of waiting for a boat to bring your stuff, you may have to fly it, and that becomes very cost prohibitive as well. And so I think those are the types of inefficiencies. Um, if you're not getting good data from what the demand is going to be. You might produce something and then you don't need it, you have to put it on the shelf. And so those are the types of responses that they were talking about.
0: What about the issue of reshoring, relocating manufacturing facilities? We certainly have seen a lot of that in the last 10 years, wages going up in China, forcing manufacturers to shift their, their base wherever, either back to the Western Hemisphere, back to the U.S. or even elsewhere in Asia. Did they talk about that and how they're doing that?
1: Well, one of the common things that we heard from them was that short supply chains are better and they add less complexity. And so I think that to the extent that people can source near where they're going to sell, whether they're producing in Asia or whether they're producing here in the U.S., they want those supply chains to be as local as possible to where they're manufacturing. I think as people look at the total cost to procure, they're finding that having those shorter supply chains could definitely be an advantage. And if you're customizing and meeting new customer demands, it helps to have that shorter supply chain that can be a little more reactive.
0: Does that suggest maybe the future we'll see more smaller production facilities? Might we say that the, the days of the Foxcons with the tens of thousands of employees in a single location might be on its way out or at least suitable for modification?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good thought, and I think that it could. Before, you might not have got the cost efficiencies out of having a bunch of small locations, but with new technology, the technology can bring you the cost efficiencies it might make a lot of sense to head down that path.
0: You mentioned additive manufacturing, also known as 3D printing. I guess that would be an important element in that shift, would it not?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think the first advent of 3D printing was a lot of prototyping that we saw, but we're starting to see 3D printing used actively in the production process. I know that Boeing has been producing some parts, large parts through 3D printing, but we're seeing it. I mean, the advent and the use of powdered metals and composite materials that can be used in 3D printing really has brought that into production and people are using it, especially on the front side where they're making component parts early in the production process.
0: Again, to the issue of reshoring, is manufacturing coming back to the United States?
1: I think that it is. I think as we talk about short supply chains, companies are looking at that, and there's a number of examples of that. So I think that it is. Will it bring the jobs that were traditionally there? No, I don't think so, and I don't think most people believe that it will. But I think that there will be more work as people move that supply chain closer to the markets. It's serving.
0: It's interesting with all of these factors that you mentioned. I would imagine they would keep these executives up at night quite a bit. And yet you say, on balance, they're optimistic. Is that the case? And if so, I wonder what the basis of their optimism is.
1: Well, I think they see business opportunities, right? So if you're a company that is going to adopt these new technologies, you're getting closer to your customer and you're finding out more, you're probably seeing more and more opportunities. And if lower tax rates and, and some of the things that have been talked about come to fruition, I think people see that their business can grow, and that's what makes them optimistic. Attitudes can change pretty quickly. So I think right now people are anxious to see where this is going, and hopefully it will mean more growth for companies, especially U.S.-based companies.
0: you plan on doing this study again? Is this a one-off, or is this going to be a regular thing with Grant Thornton? I-
1: This will be a regular thing. So we'll, again, next spring, we'll definitely do more. We're doing a number of things to really connect. Manufacturing is our largest segment, industry segment. So we want to understand what's happening out in the industry and, and what those trends are and share those with our clients and our prospects.
0: Were you in any way surprised with what you found this first time around?
1: No, I don't think so. I think that our findings were what we had been hearing and what we had been seeing. The whole issue of understanding customers is maybe an area that's really going to be very important. And I think with all the volatility globally in politics around the world, things and customer issues and in, in their desires are going to shift a lot and they're going to shift quickly. So I think the one issue is just how do you stay close to your customers? How do you stay close to what's happening in the industry? And I think that's an area that is is very important for companies right now.
0: Well, the research is called the Future of Growth and the Manufacturing Industry Report from Grant Thornton, which we will uh, link to in the show notes to this episode. Jeff French, I want to thank you so much for being with us and explaining a little bit about the report and providing us with some really fascinating insights into how manufacturing is changing and what it might look like in the future. Thanks very much for being with us.
1: Okay, Bob. Thank you very much for the opportunity.
0: That was my conversation with Jeff French of Grant Thornton, revealing the results of a survey on the future of manufacturing. See you next time.